0: Alrighty everyone, welcome back. We've got another episode of the Rare Petro Podcast. Today, Monday Madness, and it is finally November. Actually, the day I'm recording and we'll be releasing this is November the 2nd. Feels like we really made a sprint through October, and now we're creeping up on those elections. Then Thanksgiving, then Christmas, and whew, wrap that up. That's a 2020. Wonder how 2021 will fare, but I'm probably getting ahead of myself. So rather than speculate on the future that I don't know, how about we talk about some facts that I am certain about? Starting with WTI pricing, low $35 early this morning, but the prices have been highly volatile for the past week. As I record this, we sit at $36.50, but I would not be surprised if we hit $37 by the end of the day, given these huge swings. Otherwise, we got the rig count, we're up 9. This is another big increase, which happens to be the trend as of late. And if you sum up all the rigs since the start of September, the U.S. is up 42 rigs up to today. That's 42 rigs up in two months, and now this does sound fantastic if you look back over the summer. But I'd like to ask you to remember the end of Q1 this year, where rigs were dropping 30, 40, 50, even 70 rigs a week. Lots of progress to be made up, but it does seem like companies are beginning to either adapt or Determined that inaction is simply not going to work for them. Either way, love to see positive nine. Then for the inventories. Now lately I've been trying to bring you reports from both the EIA and the API, and today we will be looking at the report for the week ending on October the 23rd. The good news is that the numbers are damn near exact for that time period, which is a little atypical. They usually have some variance up to a couple million barrels. But the bad news is that both organizations agreed there was a 43 million barrel build. Now, I imagine that this paired with the election is why we are seeing such wild price variability with WTI in the past week, but that is enough of our standard metrics. And before we get into the stories, I'd like to quickly mention Iraq. So recently we have talked about them as they are OPEC's least compliant member and also Iran's partner in crime as they aid in the sale of undocumented oil. But on Friday, the Kurdistan region of Iraq suffered an attack on their pipeline, which slowed the flow of crude. Who attacked the pipeline? Well, that's not exactly clear at this point. This Kurdistan region is in northern Iraq and is an autonomous section of the country controlled by the Kurdistan regional government, who released a statement claiming that this was a terrorist attack. Now, this is a region sandwiched between Syria, Turkey, and Iran, so you can imagine just how relations have been a little tense between everybody, especially with multiple bases for the Kurdistan Workers' Party in the region, who both Turkey and the Iraqis consider to be a terrorist organization. I know we've mentioned a lot of groups and regions, and you may be confused by now, but the most important part, you just need to know that the northern Kurdistan region of Iraq was attacked, with 28 people injured and two children killed. So not much more information is available. This is just a story I wanted to bring to everyone's attention, because I do feel like it is something important to keep our eyes on. But now to bring things back to my neck of the woods, the United States, like I mentioned before, the election is right around the corner which means Trump and Biden are scrambling all over the U.S. in order to slander each other and claim swing states. In an attempt to secure the votes from the state of Pennsylvania, Trump signed a memorandum ordering the U.S. government to study the effects of prohibiting or sharply restricting the use of hydraulic fracturing and other technologies. Trump is likely hoping that this will give him an edge over Biden, who is currently leading in the state, and uh, Trump claims that Biden's platform is, quote, an economic death sentence for Pennsylvania, end quote. He's likely saying this because Biden was initially rather imposed to hydraulic fracturing, or fracking as most people call it. He has since walked back on that statement, but still has a green energy plan that involves the U.S. running on carbon-neutral energy by 2035, which, of course, would aim to reduce the amount of fossil fuels that are extracted domestically. Either way, these states are going to be crucial for both candidates, so it makes sense that the candidates and their supporters alike are rushing to get all the support that they can last minute. Although there is much more news to report on the topic of the elections, such as the events in Texas that occurred over the weekend, I'm actually going to do my best to drop this here and talk about things that specifically relate to the oil and energy industries for your sake and for mine. I'd, I'd really rather make this podcast more informative than stressful. So let's pop on over to Canada, who really deserves to have some good news after the last couple of years. have. I mean, they've, it's really been brutal for them, anything but nice. Let me walk you through a series of unfortunate events featuring our friendly northern neighbors. Back in 2018, the Alberta government decided to remove constraints limiting production in the region. Now, those constraints were implemented before because uh, too much production had seen prices falling. So this paired poorly with the fact that there was heavy maintenance at U.S. refineries, and the market was then just flooded with Canadian oil. That was late 2018, actually about two years ago to the day. Turns out that the constraints really existed for a reason. Things got so bad that at one point, Western Canadian Select was trading at $14 per barrel, which is a discount of around $50 to West Texas Intermediate. Canada spent the rest of 2019 establishing restrictions once more and battling $40 oil ranges while the U.S. tested WTI prices around the mid-50s, low-60s. That brings us to today, where the Alberta government will again lift the restrictions. No, you heard me correctly. Even though they tried exactly this and ruined themselves two years ago, they're trying it once more. What's the difference, you might ask? Well, the economics. I'm talking that classic supply and demand, baby. Canada has not really recovered entirely from late 2018 by the time 2020 hit, so it was really just difficult for them. But this time... There is a growing demand for heavy crude, along with sanctions on Venezuela and Iran. So the fact that there's those sanctions and an increased demand for heavy crude, well, Canada's likely going to be able to supply the world with its crude, as Western Canadian Select is a blend of the produced petroleum from their oil sands, which is composed of mostly bitumen, so super heavy components, with sweet synthetic and condensate dilutants to allow it to flow in pipelines. It is about time Canada secured a win, as they reduced combined output by nearly 1 million barrels per day at one point. Fortunately, this has been improving, and production is now at about 270,000 barrels per day below pre-crisis levels. So, not too bad, considering their pricing is still pretty awful. I would not be surprised if this could put Canada at or above pre-pandemic levels of production, but I really hope history doesn't repeat itself. Next up, I'd like to talk about something that is a pretty Western an idea. I mean, income tax. That is not something that the rest of the world experiences and certainly not in the Middle East. So Oman is likely going to become one of the first countries in that region to impose a personal income tax on the wealthy, wealthiest members in its society by 2022. So this proposed personal income tax, while it is for 2022, is likely a result of decreased oil demand. So countries in the Middle East, Iraq, Oman, Iran, all of these people heavily, heavily dependent on the revenues, oh, Saudi Arabia, how could I forget? They're heavily dependent on these revenues, which kind of sucks considering that 2020 has been anything but good for oil and gas. Now, if price depressions do continue, I would not be surprised if this was successful in implementation. And maybe its neighbors would follow. But that Gulf region, lots of money flowing in. I don't think, even with how rich some of the individuals in that area are, that a tax on the wealthy would actually substitute that much of the missing oil revenue. And I mean, we can't really blame the Omanis for trying this. If you look at, say, a smaller scale and something that we might be able to understand, Wyoming. A lot of Wyoming's state revenue actually comes from the severance tax associated with mineral extraction and has been for a long time. I mean, talk about coal in the Powder River Basin, or eventually oil and gas from that same region as well. These are areas that produce huge quantities of fossil fuels, and in turn, huge revenues for the state. But this year, they've been hit hard. So everyone, internationally at this point, is really just looking at ways to substitute that income, that revenue, from oil and gas extraction. So hopefully... Hopefully this works to diversify the Omani's income portfolio for their nation. But I am skeptical. I think it's going to take a lot more work than just taxing the rich a bit more. And that's something that the U.S. has actually been struggling with at home for a couple of months now. We're likely to see lots of change in terms of, well, (laughs) the revenue, the lack of revenue associated with oil and gas production. But hopefully prices rebound soon and things will change. But that is about all the time I've got. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I know it was a little bit shorter, a little bit less, maybe spicy than we've talked about in the past. But fortunately, outside of that one attack in Iraq that we mentioned, not a whole lot has been going on. But I imagine, who, past these elections, lots of things will change. So make sure you are subscribed to Rare Petro Media and content. You can go to our website, rarepetro.com. Plenty of periodicals, plenty of great podcasts. And hey, until we see you next time, take care, everybody.